morning. Welcome to Rogue Grace. This is Peter John as we're continuing to look at the book of Hebrews together. A letter written to a group of Christians that were inclined to backslide. But by backsliding, not as you might or I might assume, backsliding back under the law. For you see, the book of Hebrews was written just prior to the annihilation of the temple in Jerusalem. And so there was a whole covenant still set up, not yet destroyed as Jesus said it would be ultimately in the generation that saw the blossoming of the fig tree. So the fig tree blossoms and in accordance, the temple is destroyed and there is no more temple per per se. Uh, uh, no structure and so you would say to the new believers you would say where is your temple and they would say in the first century we are the temple well then who is your priest our priest is in heaven well don't you make sacrifices yep it was made once and for all on Calvary some years ago So you can see how this new covenant was a radical departure from anything that any Christian had ever known. And I hope that the radical nature of this new covenant can continue to astound us, that we never take it for granted or it never becomes blah. And the word of God helps us to not allow that to happen. So going to our text now, Picking up where we left off. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who had the power of death, that is the devil. Through death he destroyed the devil's very power. Now, think with me. What is the power of death? What fuels it? What is a catalyst for people dying for death in our world? And the answer to that is sin. That's what the Bible teaches. Well then, what is the power to sin? And the answer to that, 1 Corinthians says, is the law. So because Jesus fulfilled all the standards of the law in our place and for us, now the devil no longer has the law to condemn us with. And not only that, Jesus took his very weapon, death, and used it against him. I love how the Lord uses what was meant for evil and turns it around and uses it and channels it. He bends it for good. I love how he uses our enemy's own weapon against him. That way God gets the glory and the irony is rich. I think of when David slew Goliath with his slingshot 
but then went up to the body and chopped off his head with his own sword. Pretty impressive. And that goes to show how Jesus destroyed Goliath, death, with his own sword, with his own blade. And so today, if Jesus Christ has overcome death for you, which would be the deepest fear and the greatest quandary of us all, and it's one that no one is exempt from, but if Jesus took care of death on your behalf, how much more then can you trust him with the things of life, with bills or decisions or health or relationship, things that are important and weigh you down? Guess what? The Lord took care of the big one, death. And so now all the others find their place so that they no longer perturb me as they once did or no longer have the power over you as they used to. And so the book of Hebrews is reminding us of Jesus's superiority and here it's over the angels. He's been making that case for two chapters now and there are many reasons why. And one of the reasons why is because Jesus, who was and is and always will be God, took on flesh and blood as you and I. He partook, it says, of the same things that we do through death, that he might destroy the one who has the power of death. So no angel has taken on flesh and blood in the same way that Jesus did for us. And there might be many angels in your own life, good messengers and solid relationships, people that you value in your life, so much so you could call them something of an angel. Good. But know this, only one relates to exactly where you're at. Only one knows exactly what you feel and what you're going through from death all the way down. What a friend we have in Jesus. He is indeed greater than the angels. In my wrestling and in my doubts, in my failures, you won't walk out. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. Whoa, you are the peace in my troubled sea. Silence, you won't let go. In the questions, your truth will hold. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. Whoa, you are the peace in my troubled sea. My lighthouse, my Trust the promise, you will carry me safe 
of Hebrews is talking about the superiority, the betterness of Jesus, and in this case, his superiority over angels. Angels were such an important aspect of the Old Covenant. And so these Christians would be looking at angels and thinking, well, I sure appreciated their role in my faith. They were entrenched. They're on the altar, the Ark of the Covenant, and chiseled there on the what we call the mercy seat, the lid of the Ark. But they were also seen in the embroidery around the tabernacle. And so angels had a, a huge part to play in the people's worship of the Lord. And yet they were constantly told do not worship angels. Do not make an image of them that is otherwise prescribed by God. Because there's something in us that if it's even an angel, it's otherworldly. It grasps our attention. And if we're not careful, we can worship those things. And the problem with that is angels are like you and I. In the fact, in the realm of they are created. 
And this goes to anything, but in this text, it speaks to the angels because either you worship what is created or you worship the creator. And God was very careful. He didn't want his people to worship even angels because even they are created as high above, so to speak, above our creation as they might be. And you know what? God is so um, all-wise that he's warning his people in Hebrews and all through the Old Testament for that matter not to worship even angels. Angels refused to be worshipped. Unless, of course, the angel's name was Lucifer. And those that fell, they followed him out of an arrogant heart. And so God says to you and to I and to the Christians here in our text that Jesus is superior even to the angels and keep that in mind always. Because as beautiful as they might be and as good as they might be, they are still created beings and have the possibility They have the potential of disappointing you, of failing you, of using you. There is that potential. And in your life, there might be people and you think this person is an angel. Be careful. Be careful not to put them too high on a pedestal. Be careful to keep them in their proper place in your own Ability to evaluate the world around you and what is most important. Because all of us either worship creation or the creator. And if we're worshiping anything in creation, that means it is fallen. It is fallen. And that subjects you and I open up to unpredictable and endless heartache when we make other people and other things our God instead of the Lord. And so God is doing it for our own benefit, saying, remember, as beautiful as angels may be, Jesus is even better.
Jesus' Jesus partook of the same things that we share in flesh and blood, we are told in our text. He partook of the same things we share in flesh and blood. So, because he became a little lower than the angels for that time that he ministered here on earth, he literally has been in your shoes And he knows what it feels like to not feel good or to feel the the burden of, of bills or the heartache of an estranged relationship. He, he, he knows those things because he has chosen to partake with those and share those things with us in flesh and blood. So that when you come to God now, you don't come to a being that is completely disconnected from where you're coming from. 
Do you ever feel that way? People just don't see where I'm coming from or they're not hearing me. Well, the Lord does. And I think of when Job was going through his difficult times, his trials, and his friends came down and sat with him. And I wish they would have just remained like that. But it says after a few days, they began to speak. And they all chimed in on why they felt Job was suffering the way he was, what he was doing wrong, things he needed to correct. And he was saying to them, I'm telling you, I'm not lying. I look over my life. There's nothing for me to correct in terms of why all of this has happened. And then Job says something interesting in regards to people not understanding what he was going through and in regards to him not even understanding why. He said, I wish there was a mediator between me and God who could place his hand on God and place his hand on me. I wish there was someone who could go between us to help us understand each other, to help me get a better grasp on what God is doing and for God to understand where I'm coming from. Well, many, many, many years later, the Apostle Paul writes that we have one mediator, and that is our high priest, Jesus Christ. Because he chose to take on flesh and blood and share with the things that we have partook of, now he is that one who stands between you and God and is able to translate God This is why Pete's feeling this and saying this and doing this. And to say to you, this is where God is coming from. This is how he's seeing things. And this is how he is evaluating all of these different things. What a friend we have in Jesus, that go-between, that Job was looking for, that mediator. We have one now because he took on flesh and blood and partook of the things that we have. I've heard it said that music heals the soul but I have sung a thousand songs and they never made me whole Till I joined the holy chorus that started long ago Though it carried me a while, still so many miles to go So, help this broken man when the road is long Writing me a melody so I can sing redemption songs So many times before, y'all But I never felt anything, no See, I wanted something more And then it came 
dry and dusty bones Your life-giving words Pick me up and take me home Yeah, yeah, yeah So help this broken man When the road is alone And writing me a melody So I can sing redemption songs man when the road is long and write in me a melody so I can sing redemption song cause when push comes to shove never be enough to make it on my own help this broken man so help this broken man so because when push comes to shove So we've been looking at a powerful text. I have a lot more I would like to share on it. I mean, listen to these words. I'm not going to exposit them so so much this after or this morning, this moment. But I want to, and I'm going to this afternoon by if it's the Lord's will. But listen to these words. Why Jesus is better? It says, therefore. The children share in flesh and blood. Jesus himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not to the angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has been tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. Oh, there's so many good things in that, aren't there? You know that too as you hear those words. They're rich. They are a lot to think about. Much there to meditate on for the rest of our lives. But all that to say is Jesus became like us, tempted as we have been, partook of the same things we have, and destroyed death in doing so. You know, I was at my kid's open house yesterday in... uh McLaughlin, the junior high teachers, right? So I'm meeting my daughter's junior high teacher. She's in eighth grade. And I'm like, these are all kids. 
They're all younger than me. What happened? They're like younger people than I am. And they're teaching my kids. What in the world happened? <laughs> it's amazing. But we don't have to be afraid of aging or of the grave or life proceeding. Jesus destroyed death itself. That's the biggie. How much more than can we trust him with everything else that's taking place in our lives? So I'm looking forward to getting into this text later on this afternoon. We'll be back on at 3 o'clock. Please join. And tonight, join us in the sanctuary as we gather for our study in the book of Proverbs. How I love it. Would you please join us? I'm sure that you have other things to do, but nothing will give you the return on your investment of time like worshiping God and learning from Him and His Word. So my dad will be opening up the scriptures. You can't beat that. So that's tonight. The Lord bless you. I'll see you. I'll talk to you at 3 o'clock. God bless you.